Tonight, Justin Trudeau uses the peaceful truckers' rebellion as the pretext to crush our civil liberties. It's February 14th, and this is The Ezra Levant Show. Why should others go to jail Why? when you're a biggest carbon consumer I know? There's 8,500 customers here, and you won't give them an answer. The only thing I have to say to the government about why I publish it is because it's my bloody right to do so. After discussing with cabinet and caucus, after consultation with premiers from all provinces and territories, after speaking with opposition leaders, the federal government has invoked the Emergencies Act to supplement provincial and territorial capacity to address the blockades and occupations. I've said before that the lockdowns have been the greatest violation of civil liberties in Canadian history, and I stand by that. But today they got even worse. Justin Trudeau introduced the Emergencies Act, the successor to the War Measures Act. Here's Trudeau uh, a couple hours ago. The federal government has invoked the Emergencies Act to supplement provincial and territorial capacity to address the blockades and occupations. Trudeau left the worst details to Christia Freeland. Here she is talking about how all crowdfunding will be subject to anti-terrorism laws and people who subsidize or crowdfund Trudeau's political opponents can face bank seizures of their money without a warrant or even a court order. Take a listen to this. As of today, a bank or other financial service provider will be able to immediately freeze or suspend an account without a court order. In doing so, they will be protected against civil liability for actions taken in good faith. Federal government institutions will have a new broad authority to share relevant information with banks and other financial service providers to ensure that we can all work together to put a stop to the funding of these illegal blockades. This is about following the money. This is about stopping the financing of these illegal blockades. We are today serving notice. If your truck is being used in these illegal blockades, your corporate accounts will be frozen. The insurance on your vehicle will be suspended. Send your semi-trailers home. The Canadian economy needs them to be doing legitimate work, not to be illegally making us all poorer. David Lametti, the justice minister that was brought in after Jody Wilson-Raybould, going from the most ethical to the least ethical justice minister. He says that the emergency powers will even allow Trudeau to commandeer tow trucks that had refused to tow the uh, trucker convoys away, and again to commandeer banks to seize funds from political opponents. Here's Lametti. Directing persons to render essential services to relieve impacts of blockades on Canada's economy. And this could include tow trucks and their drivers, for compensation, of course. In short, our civil liberties are being removed 
even though there is no genuine emergency in this country. Justin Trudeau comes by his hatred for civil liberties honestly. You might recall that just over 50 years ago, his father, Pierre Trudeau, put the country under the War Measures Act. At least then, there was a true national emergency, the FLQ crisis. FLQ stands for the Front de Liberation de Quebec, the Quebec Liberation Front. It was a bona fide terrorist group that was murdering people, kidnapping people, setting off bombs in mailboxes. He put soldiers on the streets. It was limited in time and scope. It actually had some public support. There was an actual terrorist group, but still, Trudeau took advantage and he crushed his political enemies under that law. Trudeau Sr. was asked how far he would go to violate li civil liberties, and he gave this famous answer. Well, there's a lot of bleeding hearts around who just don't like to see people with helmets and guns. All I can say is uh, go on and bleed, but it's more important to keep law and order in this society than to uh, uh, be worried about uh, weak-kneed people who uh, don't like the looks of, uh, of a at, at any helmet. cost? At any cost? How far would you go with that? How far would you extend that? Well, just watch me. Just watch me. Well, we know what happened. Trudeau's opponents were arrested by the hundred. I'm not talking about terrorists. I'm talking about political opponents. Hundreds of political opponents were arrested, and the RCMP went wild. Dirty tricks, burning down barns owned by his political opponents. This time, there is no terrorist group. There are no murders or kidnappings or bombs. It's a completely peaceful protest. Trudeau said it's not peaceful. Here in our capital city, families and small businesses have been enduring illegal obstruction of their neighborhoods, occupying streets, harassing people, breaking the law. This is not a peaceful protest. But that's a lie that all of us know are alive. For two weeks, we've all watched the protest, it looks like a family festival, looks like a Canada Day party. All there are is Canadian flags, mums, dads, and kids. The, the, perhaps the most hard-to-view thing was a couple of fellas in a hot tub on uh, Wellington Street in Ottawa. Um, there was a pretext uh, that Trudeau himself did not actually mention today. Um, there were a few shotguns found in a country farmhouse uh, in Coots, uh, they called that a violent cell. The men were arrested. We'll have to wait and see what the facts are there. But finding a few shotguns or rifles in a country farmhouse uh, is not a violent cell. That's called rural Alberta, or for that matter, rural anywhere. Uh, I, I think that um, it didn't take a lot to get the Toronto-Ottawa media class on board. They've been personally upset uh, by the truckers in their city. They wailed about the horn honking. They already hate the truckers because they're not part of the establishment. Here's Glenn McGregor uh, of CTV pledging his loyalty to Trudeau. Um, it was so bizarre watching the media at uh, Trudeau's press conference today. They didn't ask any questions about civil liberties. In fact, the largest theme of their questions was why they weren't cracking down harder. We are going to hold the line. Hold the line. Right. Question for Ms. Leach. Today in, in Coots, Alberta, the RCMP arrested 11 people who were found 
having firearms, ammunition, body armor in their trailers at the blockade site. Can you assure people in this community that none of the protesters who were here have, have firearms in their trucks or vehicles? I don't believe they do. No. As we as we know it, as we know it, crime has gone down in this city since the truckers came. So what you're saying doesn't bear any evidence whatsoever. Thank you. Thank you. I'm not sure if we can trust the RCMP. Uh, and I know those are hard words to hear, but here's Sidney Fizard's report from yesterday in Coots, Alberta. Just shocking. Look what the RCMP is doing in the name of the rule of law, and look what they're admitting to. So they've cut this main battery cable. Yeah. They cut this negative battery cable almost all the way through. They cut the cables on the solenoids. They'd be a start solenoids and uh, probably a loop like solenoids. And then this control box, they've cut all the wires in it. They took the fuel lines off. They sprayed foam them shut. Yeah. There's a filter missing over there. Um, and they've cut all the wires off the solenoids there. Yeah. Let's get right in there. Yeah, yeah. and then on the other side here. Yeah, filters are missing and they're foamed shut. Yeah. A few of the boys have brought out some equipment here and they parked it on private land with uh, per permission from the owner to park it here. RCMP, um, they had it parked in view of the within view of the highway. RCMP requested that it be moved out of view of the highway, so we've obliged them. Um, after it was moved here, somebody sabotaged the equipment. There's uh, wires cut, there's filters removed, spray foam, put up fuel lines. Like these things, these all three machines, they're valuable machines. Um, and it's gonna take a lot of work to put them back into order. Um, I can't see that, that happening like there's parts missing, um, parts have to be replaced. There's a lot of labor that's got to go into fixing these things before this, these these fellows can use their their own equipment again. Hey there. Sid, it's uh, George Sutton calling you back. Yep, thank you. Uh, so I can confirm that we disabled three, looks like three excavators. Yep. Um, to prevent the equipment from being used in the illegal activity of the blockade. Uh, was there an expectation there as to how they were going to be used? Uh, I don't, I'm not sure. I'm, I've got the answer for you. I'm not sure what other questions you might have with, relative to that. I wasn't part of that, uh, that planning or the execution of that. So yep. I don't think I can comment any further than that. Nope. It's all good. Really appreciate that. Thank you so much. No problem, Sid. Take care, buddy. Yep. Bye-bye. Hi there. It's Corporal Savinkov here. Uh, hey there, Corporal. Uh, this is uh, Sid calling you again really quickly. Um, if you have the time for a hey, second. Sid. Absolutely. Yep. Uh, so I just wanted to confirm um, exactly what the damage was done by the RCMP. The damage, the disabling. Yeah. Yeah. So we we, we can. Yep. Right. I don't know. I don't know what we did to disable those vehicles. Sid. Okay. But okay. Yeah. Sorry. I I forgot to get that bit there uh, last time. But you did confirm that it was you guys. But um, in terms of the specific damage, you're unaware. 
Yeah, the specific uh, steps that we took to disable those vehicles, I don't, I don't know. Okay, all right. No, appreciate that. Just wanted to reconfirm. Thank you. All right, take care. Yep, bye-bye. Even the RCMP, though, says politicians are lying about the state of affairs. Jason Kenney falsely accused uh, the protesters of attacking the RCMP. The RCMP called him a liar. Uh, I've also received reports uh, in the last hour of people uh, allied with the protesters assaulting RCMP officers. Unfortunately, it was a relatively minor collision, um, but a confrontation which led to an assault took place as a direct result of that collision. And that was an assault on an RCMP officer? No, that was an assault between the two, two, two civilians, between a protester and a civilian. So Jason Kenney's statement was not true at the press release? I can tell you what I just told you, sir. Okay. So I come back to the question, why is the Emergency Act needed? The Ottawa horn honking, if that is a crisis of national proportions, um, you know, it was handled by a court order. A judge in Ottawa said no use of air horns and the truckers complied. So that seemed to deal with the issue. The ambassador bridge between Windsor and Detroit, it was cleared by local cops with not much ado. Um, these arrests in Southern Alberta, whether real or fake, were handled by police without the Emergencies Act. Why is the Emergencies Act needed? Premiers across the country from Quebec to Alberta said they did not want the Emergencies Act. Why this heavy-handed law on top of other abuses? Well, that's the thing. This Emergencies Act is not needed to deal with a violent rebellion. There is no violent rebellion. It's to go after Trudeau's personal enemies, to seize their bank accounts, to turn peaceful political opponents into terrorists. And that's what he said will happen. Cannot and will not allow illegal and dangerous activities to continue. The Emergencies Act will also allow the government to make sure essential services are rendered, for example, in order to tow vehicles blocking roads. In addition, financial institutions will be authorized or directed to render essential services to help address the situation, including by regulating and prohibiting the use of property to fund or support illegal blockades. And finally, it will enable the RCMP to enforce municipal bylaws and provincial offenses where required. This is what the Emergencies Act does. So let's recap. The greatest violation of civil liberties in Canadian history has been the lockdowns. When there's a peaceful rebellion, really 100,000 protesters from coast to coast, not one act of violence. Have you ever heard of anything more peaceful in your life? Trudeau cracks down on it um, by removing uh, due process and targeting the finances of anyone who supports his critics. He's introduced Bill C-11, an internet censorship law. Is there a real threat to security in this country? Well, let me read to you the definition of a threat to security. This comes from the CSIS Act, which is the definition used in the Emergencies Act. Let me read it to you. I'm going to just read a little bit. Threats to the security of Canada means A, 
espionage or sabotage that is against Canada or is detrimental to the interests of Canada or activities directed toward or in support of such espionage or sabotage. Obviously, we're not talking about espionage, so it's not that. B, foreign-influenced activities within or relating to Canada that are detrimental to the interests of Canada and are clandestine or deceptive or involve a threat to any person. Trudeau would probably say that having some foreign uh, citizens chip in a few bucks to the crowdfunding for the truckers meets this test, but that's clearly not what this um, law was de designed for, that some crowdfunding chipped in for the truckers. That's not a national emergency. It's not a real threat. C, activities within or relating to Canada directed toward or in support of the threat or use of acts of serious violence against persons or property for the purpose of achieving a political religious or ideological objective within Canada or a foreign state. There's been no violence at all, let alone serious violence. And then the fourth definition of a threat is activities directed towards undermining by covert unlawful acts or directed toward or intended ultimately to lead to the destruction or overthrow by violence of the constitutionally established system of government in Canada. That's a violent revolution. And look at this, but it does not include lawful advocacy, protest, or dissent unless carried on in conjunction with any of the activities referred to in paragraphs A to D. So forgive me for getting into the law there, but those are the four definitions of a threat to Canada. None of those are met. The truckers have not engaged in serious violence. They've engaged in no violence. There is no violent revolution. There's no foreign espionage. The only foreign element is some Americans thought, here's a few bucks for the truckers, but the money was not covert. It was to help the truckers with gas, money, and food. This is not about a true threat to Canada. It's not about a true threat to safety. It's about Trudeau using a pretext to go against any political opponent who uses crowdfunding or cryptocurrency. Well, who do you think he's thinking of when he talks about crowdfunding? I think that this is a very dangerous time for any critic of Trudeau. And you can imagine we're going to fight this in any way we can. If it, and, and we're going to uh, consult our lawyers to see what can be done in the face of this violation of civil liberties. I regret that little can be done um, because these extraordinary powers are there uh, for the government to use for a 30-day period. I believe that it will be extended. And I believe that Trudeau's invasiveness into the finances of his political critics will be extended. And I don't have any confidence in the federal conservative party to stand up to this. I think that um, they're still so shell-shocked and they're still so obedient to the media party that I don't know if they'll stand up firmly. I think that this is in keeping with Trudeau and his family. I mean, Justin Trudeau has always said he admires authoritarian regimes. He's never hidden that. I mean, you might re recall this unguarded moment that he has never recanted when he was asked a few years ago what country he most admires. He said China because it's a basic dictatorship. He was asked which country he most admired and referred to China. There's a level of, of uh, admiration I actually have for China um, because their you know, basic dictatorship is allowing them uh, to actually turn their economy around on a dime and say, we need to go green as fast as we need to start, you know, investing in solar. I mean, there is a flexibility that... That wasn't a one-off. Trudeau's brother, 
Alexandra made a propaganda film produced by the dictatorship of Iran. His whole family loves Castro. And I'm not uh, getting into the theory that Fidel Castro is actually Trudeau's dad. I'm not getting into that. I'm saying um, he's at the very least a father figure that the family admires and looks up to. Pierre Trudeau took his sons to the Soviet Union and said that Siberia was the future of the world. And even to this day, Trudeau and Christia Freeland, who serves on the board of the World Economic Forum, meet with George Soros. These are authoritarian people. I think that this invocation of the Emergencies Act is a kind of color revolution, if you know what I mean by that. A color revolution is the name given to these revolutions, typically in Eastern Europe, financed by George Soros to topple a regime that George Soros didn't like. Well, here in Canada, Trudeau and Christy Freeland and half the uh, cabinet, according to Klaus Schwab, is part of the Soros World Economic Forum. That's not a theory or a conspiracy theory. It's just a fact. Bizarrely, Christy Freeland sits as a governor on the World Economic Forum, even while she is um, a deputy prime minister and finance minister. I think that as this trucker rebellion spread, Trudeau got into trouble and he pulled a color revolution against his own people. It's very upside down and it's still going to take me some time to chew over. I'm recording this shortly after Trudeau made this announcement. And of course, he left the most abusive parts to Christia Freeland of the World Economic Forum to say. I'm worried about this. I don't think that this Emergencies Act was necessary for true law and order. I think that Trudeau's dark authoritarian side is showing. Looking at the media questions, there wasn't a single skeptical question other than why aren't you going harder? I think that every institution in this country failed. That's why the truckers' rebellion filled the gap. Finally, people were standing up, people who were not compromised. This is designed to smash that, but not as a public security threat. It wasn't a public security threat. This is designed to smash anyone who dares to challenge Trudeau. And if you dared to chip in even $10 to the truckers fund, that you're going to be in Trudeau's um, social credit list as someone who's done something illegal. I fear that we are heading down the path of authoritarianism. I'm going to need some more time to chew this over. And I'm sorry that my monologue tonight is a little bit not fully baked. I still have to digest everything that was said today. I want to see what others say in response. I want to see if there are any other institutions in Canada that are pushing back or if this is just the new normal. I mean, Trudeau has demoralized this country in many ways. He has colonized the media party through his bailouts. He has set up an echo chamber where um, so-called anti-hate extremists claim that there are Nazis everywhere. So then he uses that as a pretext to crack down on the Nazis. The irony is that Trudeau accuses everyone else of being a Nazi, but he's the one restricting our civil liberties. I'm worried for Canada. I think I'm more worried today than I ever have been. Obviously, we're going to continue doing what we do here at Rebel News. We tell the other side of the story, and we fight for freedom the best way we know how. Often that takes the form of civil liberties lawyers. I certainly hope that our crowdfunding for civil liberties lawyers is not smashed by Trudeau. 
in his anti-terrorism uh, efforts. I, I would think that he wouldn't. I mean, crowdfunding civil liberties lawyers is a pretty protected form of access to justice, I would hope. But when every other institution in this country has fallen, maybe that will go too. I'm going to think about this some more, and we'll talk about it all week, I'm sure, and for many weeks to come. I, uh, I'm now going to show you an interview I did with Joel Pollack a few hours ago. The interview I did was before Trudeau rolled out his Emergencies Act details. So Joel and I were speaking sort of speculatively. We knew the Emergency Act was coming. Uh, I suppose that neither of us thought that Trudeau would use it to basically go after the bank accounts of his opponents. So let me now show you the interview I had earlier today with Joel, which was done before the details. And then I'll talk to you on the other side with some final thoughts. Joining me now is Joel Pollack, senior editor-at-large at Breitbart.com, one of the first American journalists to cover the story and really to introduce it to an international audience. It's become a huge story, the trucker rebellion in the United States, and indeed it's spread around the world. These images of a trucker convoy in Israel are amazing. Israel, one of the most jabbed countries in the world. Joining us now via Skype is Joel. Joel, how are you doing? And thank you for for following this story. Mostly American journalists, uh, they don't really find Canada a source of interesting commentary, but you really have sunk your teeth into it. Well, when American journalists have covered the Canadian trucker story, they tend to have done so the way the Canadian media have done so. In fact, if you watch the White House press briefings over the last several days, you would have seen journalists pressing Biden to oppose the Canadian truckers and to use stronger language against the Canadian truckers. Very few journalists in our establishment media understand what this is about, or maybe they do understand that it is a rebellion of sorts against the elites who run our countries, and they, being part of the elite, don't particularly like it. But Washington, D.C. is dropping its vaccine mandate, the latest blue domino to fall down here, where California, New York, other states, Illinois, they're all dropping mandates because they are seeing the backlash, and the Canadian truckers are the most visible evidence of that. So there's been a huge impact. There's also going to be a continuing impact on politics in this country regardless of what Justin Trudeau does, because I was up in Northern California last week and there are conservatives talking about organizing trucking convoys into March, later in the spring. These convoys are becoming a symbol that is going to transcend the current crisis. So no matter what Trudeau does, how the Canadian issue is resolved, this has become the new Tea Party. We are all truckers now, in a sense. And, of course, truckers were heroes two years ago in the early days of the pandemic when people were worried that there wouldn't be enough food on the shelves of grocery stores. The supply chains were crucial in maintaining public calm, in keeping people connected, and they were heroes. I interviewed truckers on my radio show. We have a lot of truckers in our audience on Sirius XM 125. But truckers are not just heroes during the pandemic. You can't just dump them when they're no longer useful to your political agenda, which is what Trudeau has done. A year ago, Trudeau was telling people that mandates would be extreme and divisive. Now he is pursuing them in an extreme and divisive way. And his party seems to be applauding every step of the way. I, I see that there was a motion in the Canadian parliament that 
went through where the liberals and the NDP joined together to oppose a motion to support the ending or at least a strategy to end the COVID lockdowns and mandates and so forth. In this country, Democrats are now talking about supporting those kinds of policies because they are fearful of the midterm elections and they see what the Canadian truckers have done. And look, they know that there's a huge number of swing votes. They learned the hard way in November when a trucker in New Jersey knocked off the Democratic state Senate president, a trucker who spent about $10,000 of his own money to run for state Senate. So there is a serious sense of momentum behind the truckers in this country starting to be inspired by what Canadian truckers did. And they've become sort of a working class symbol of rebellion against the elites. The elites are very worried in this country. And this is going to continue no matter how the present crisis is resolved in Canada. Hmm. Well, uh, what I'm worried about is in Canada, this emergency act being deployed. Um, It's been more than 50 years since this law has been deployed in Canada. Uh, 52 years ago, Justin Trudeau's father brought in the War Measures Act, but in that case, there was actual separatist terrorism. There were murders and kidnappings and bombs in mailboxes. It was the, the FLQ, the Front de Liberation de Quebec. Um, here, there's, there's none of that. There's been no acts of violence in two weeks with 100,000 truckers. Last night, RCMP in Coots, Alberta, arrested 11 people claiming there was a violent cell. Now, it could be, but I know that in rural Alberta, the idea that you have some long arms, like some shotguns and rifles in the house, is not a sign of being a violent cell. That's sort of what farms and ranches are like. There's no police station nearby. You need them for pest control, like a coyote or something. So I'm, I, I don't know if there really was a violent cell, I think it may be that that was just a pretext to bring in this kind of martial law. And I note that Trudeau calls anyone he doesn't like a Nazi, yet he's removing civil liberties. Here's what I'm worried about, Joel, is that the narrative that the left has had in America about January 6th insurrectionists has been imported to Canada. It didn't really fit the peaceful truckers, but they're going to try and call these truckers domestic violent extremists. They're going to call them some sort of terrorists. They're going to justify some sort of domestic Patriot Act style surveillance and restriction of civil liberties for anyone who's a conservative. I'm really worried about that. And I think that's in Trudeau's blood. I think that that's what his father was like and what his own heroes from Fidel Castro to China are like. Well, I think you're right to be worried, but I also think that no democratically elected leader in a country with a reasonably free press can get away with using emergency powers to get rid of the opposition. And the difference between the Canadian truckers and January 6th is that the protesters on January 6th and the rioters who invaded the Capitol, they were proceeding based on a speculative theory that the election had been stolen and that it could somehow be reversed through sending it back to the states if they disrupted a particular proceeding and so forth. It was all speculation and not all of it well-founded, to say it, uh, to put it mildly. But in Canada, it's a very clear pretext. There's a very clear provocation, which is the vaccine mandate for truckers. And all Trudeau would have to do to end the quote-unquote emergency is end the vaccine mandate. 
We've seen other vaccine mandates, other coronavirus policies fall in other provinces, Ontario, Alberta, other places, and not necessarily to the full satisfaction of the people involved, but there's been some reaction. And Trudeau is refusing to do that. What he's telling Canadians, and I think uh, liberal Americans, is that if you give in to these tactics, then there's no limit. It becomes a slippery slope. These truckers, these uh, hooligans, insurrectionists will rise up every time there's something they don't like. But that's a very hard sell if you're going to use emergency powers more broadly. I don't think he's going to get away with it. And I think that let, let's go there. Let's go to the, the question of violence. The reason that the Canadian Charter of Freedoms allows for peaceful assembly and so forth is that in countries that provide freedom of assembly and freedom of speech, freedom to protest and so forth, you don't need violence to make your voice heard. You don't need to use acts of sabotage to to be listened to. When you use emergency powers to crack down on what is really a peaceful protest, maybe not a lawful protest in every case, but it's basically civil disobedience. When you use emergency powers to crack down on that, you almost guarantee more violence. There are going to be a small group of people within whether the left or the right who see the imposition of emergency powers as something that precludes ordinary political debate, precludes freedom of speech and assembly, and they're going to take matters into their own hands. That is the response historically of people on the fringes, but people nonetheless, to the imposition of emergency powers by government, especially when large swaths of the population see those emergency powers as illegitimate. And I've seen polls that say that something like two-thirds of Canadians like the idea of using these sort of extraordinary powers to remove the truckers. But at the same time, nearly half of Canadians empathize with the cause of the truckers, with the cause of the protest. So maybe people want this to be over with. But the quickest way to end it would be for Justin Trudeau to compromise in some way, to stand down and to allow life to return to normal. This pandemic is basically on its way out. If you look at the infection numbers in the United States, they're plummeting, just as the Omicron wave has risen and fallen in the rest of the world. So maybe in the long run, Trudeau saves face, perhaps if he just does nothing. And he allows the Omicron wave to pass. And then he says, OK, well, I'm removing the mandates because they're not necessary anymore. We don't have the same degree of a problem that we once did. That, to me, seems the safer route. He's going to provoke opposition, some of which will be vociferous and loud and more honking, let's say, from truckers and so forth. The problem is that when you invoke these emergency powers, you, you create this element of radicalism. And you see that in the United States when the federal government starts talking about seizing guns, for example, or you have a botched FBI raid, uh, such as the one that happened under Bill Clinton in Waco, Texas, you see people on the fringes start to react to that sort of thing. And there were subsequent acts of right-wing domestic terrorism in the wake of Waco because they thought that the federal government had essentially imposed totalitarian rule on the United States. It's a crazy belief, but when the government oversteps its authority, people's imaginations can run wild. And I think that Trudeau is destabilizing a situation that actually has a natural and safe resolution, which he is unwilling to pursue because he's aware that he will pay a political price, both with the conservative opposition and within his own liberal camp for backing down. But I don't think for the good of the Canadian people, there's any real alternative to backing down. Declaring emergency powers is a way of escalating and destabilizing a situation. It's almost a guarantee of violence. And it's really a stupid thing to do, but here we are. You know, I'm worried that he wants that because, of course, he has always succeeded by polarizing, by calling his enemies, 
you know, racist, sexist, misogynist, Nazis, whatever. That's how he, he works. I, I saw a poll that put him at 16%. So he needs things to be more extreme. Here's, let me close on this note. Um, the truckers, the most peaceful mass movement in maybe Canadian history. So they raised $10 million in GoFundMe and the various governments in Canada caused that to be rescinded. Um, they interfered and got GoFundMe to, to cancel it. Then the truckers went to give, send, go. They couldn't be deplatformed, although they were hacked. But then they went to court and got an order freezing those funds. Trudeau, two weeks ago, introduced a new internet censorship bill that will explicitly target news sites like ours. And today the Emergency Act is brought in. All of these things make Canada less free. And as you mentioned, this, this motion in Parliament today to have some exit plan failed. Trudeau wants a permanent revolution. He wants a permanent emergency. Joe, I got to tell you, I am worried that Canada is becoming unfree. It can happen. I mean, Argentina, Venezuela, um, there are countries that, that become less free. And I, it's hard to imagine that a, that a great country like Canada could be that way. But um, I don't know if we have enough checks and balances in our own country to stop a would-be, I don't want to say tyrant, but a petty tyrant, I think, is accurate. I just don't know what Canadians should do. I, I do not, obviously, I don't want any violence. But what do you do when every single fail-safe, every check and balance doesn't work? And when people go to a general strike, that's what I'd call this trucker rebellion, sort of a wildcat general strike, peaceful. And when, when you do that, they're all called terrorists and, and they bring in an emergency law. I just don't know what Canadians should do. Um, and I don't know what Americans might think of it, uh, of you know, your closest ally and neighbor and friend really throwing away freedom? Well, I think this is a very speculative response to your question, but I think that Canada's territorial size makes the imposition of totalitarian rule unlikely. It's likelier in the more urbane areas of Canada, Toronto, Ottawa, and so forth. But I think there's a large portion of Canada geographically that would refuse to live under such a regime if it continued in that direction. Already with the movement in Quebec to separate, which has gone back many decades, there was talk of Canadian promise, uh, provinces seceding to join the United States, if that were the case. That may be on the table. There, there may be some greater regionalism that is demanded, at least, by some of the provinces. We've already seen some provinces come out and say they oppose the imposition of Trudeau uh, using emergency powers and so forth. Trudeau may provoke a kind of response by some of these provinces to oppose him and to consider other political alternatives. These are sort of things you do in extremists. But if Trudeau and the people who support him are willing to go to those extremes, then you start to have a conversation about that. And people are saying, you know, when we talk about Ukraine and Russia, the, the real issue in geopolitics today is, is what looks like almost a civil war in Canada, at least from, from abroad. So I think that a division is likelier than a complete successful suppression of dissent. Hmm. Also, if Trudeau's poll numbers are so low, I don't know that much of what he says about the opposition has credibility anymore. But I think 
if I were one of the truckers, what I would be doing is trying to build alliances with the constituencies that are often within the liberal camp but are persuadable. See if the truckers can form the core of a new opposition that can isolate Trudeau. Look, what's happened in this country is Joe Biden has become isolated. Until January 2021, the entire Democratic Party was behind him. Now that things are going very, very poorly, not just the mess in Canada, but Russia, Ukraine, Afghanistan, inflation, all the things that are going wrong. There are local Democratic leaders who won't be seen in public with Joe Biden. He's toxic to them. Hmm. I think you have to toxify Justin Trudeau and you have to do it in a way that also presents an alternative. So you have to start showing people that there really is a different way to do things and give it some time to develop. But reach out to moderates or even to some core parts of the liberal constituency that may have some strong disagreements with Trudeau for various reasons and say, look, we need to isolate this guy because he's so damaging to the country. I think that would be a good strategy. The truckers don't seem to have any central leadership and so forth. And the conservative opposition seems to be in some disarray. But I think that's the next step if this is to be successful is is for a broader movement to emerge that uses this rebellion or this protest, this this general strike as a kind of foundation. But at the very least, Trudeau seems to have lost control of his own country. That's an opportunity for the opposition to reorganize and realign so that it can isolate him and then create some divisions within that liberal coalition that today was cheering the passage of a bill or the failure of a bill to promote an exit from COVID. You have to start finding the fault lines. Right now, the fault lines within the Democratic Party here in the United States and in Biden's base are are there and they're growing and they're visible. People don't want to be seen with him. You have to do that with Trudeau as well. And I don't think Trudeau is a particularly charismatic person or has the ability to bridge those divides. He relies on the loyalty of a particular cultural constituency. Once you start shattering that, I think more things become possible. Very interesting. You know, I appreciate your outside perspective. I, I think you're very right to refer to regional differences. I know Alberta separatism was already high because of Trudeau's war on the oil patch um, and the carbon tax and his general disrespect for the West. Um, I think you're also very wise to point out that there's a tremendous problem with the disarray of the so-called conservatives in this country. It'll be interesting for us at Rebel News to see what role we play. I mean, we're trying to tell the story, which I think is an important building block. We have crowdfunded some civil liberties lawyers. I, I, just, I just checked moments ago the Canadian Civil Liberties Association, which is our version of the ACLU. They haven't had a press release, a tweet, any public statement in five <laughs> days. They just yeah, that that is anything. very much like the ACLU. You know, civil liberties are what they say they stand for until there are actual civil liberties at stake. Yeah. Yeah. It's just incredible. Well, Joel, thank you so much for your time and your perspective. And it's great to have you on again. And we look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks, Ezra. There we have it. Joel Pollack, Senior Editor-at-Large at Breitbart.com. Stay with us. More ahead. Well, I'm sorry that my monologue today was not as fleshed out as it should have been. Um, frankly, I just need more time to think things over what happened today. Um, I do not think that the trucker rebellion is violent. And for Trudeau to say it is not peaceful is a lie. I think that he's gaslighting us, to use a phrase. He's telling us not to believe our lying eyes, but to believe him instead. He's saying that it's a 
threat to the national the national threat. I read you the definition of a national threat in the CSIS Act that applies to the Emergencies Act. We're not under threat of espionage. We're not under threat of a violent revolution. We're not under threat of the, the four categories of threats. We just simply are not that. This is a power grab. This is a move you would see in Trudeau's favorite countries like China or Venezuela or Cuba. I'm worried that the first responses I see are, oh, well, that's Canada, that's how it is, or even journalists cheering them on. I wonder what uh, the countervailing forces will be. I wonder what Pierre Polyev, the likely new leader of the Conservative Party, will say. I don't know. But I know that Rebel News will continue to fight the best we can, mainly by telling the other side of the story. I think our journalistic role has been critical in documenting the peaceful nature of the Truckers' Rebellion for the past few weeks. I think our ability to crowdfund is essential. As you know, 78% of all the money that Rebel News raises is from crowdfunding. Since we've been demonetized by YouTube, we rely on crowdfunding. I would hope that Trudeau doesn't try and make a move against us, but you never know. These are dark days. I'll come back tomorrow and I'll hopefully have some thoughts a little bit better ironed out. So again, I apologize that I'm not quite figured out on this one yet. I wish you freedom. I wish you safety. I wish you peace. And I will, as I always invite you to do, I will keep fighting for freedom. Good night. Hey there. It's uh, George Sutton Call calling you back. Yeah, thank you. Uh, so I can confirm that we disabled three, looks like three excavators. Yep. Um, to prevent the equipment from being used in the illegal activity of the blockade. So they've cut this main battery cable. Yep. They cut this negative battery cable almost all the way through. They cut the cables on the solenoids. It'd be a start solenoids and uh, probably a glue plug solenoid. And then this control box, they've cut all the wires in it. They took the fuel lines off. They sprayed foam them shut. Yeah. There's a filter missing over there. Um, and they've cut all the wires off the solenoids there. Yeah. Let's get right in there. Yeah, yeah. and then on the other side here. Yeah, filters are missing and they're foamed shut. Yeah. A few of the boys have brought out some equipment here and they parked it on private land with uh, per permission from the owner to park it here. RCMP, um, they had it parked in view of the, within view of the highway. RCMP requested that it be moved out of view of the highway, so we've obliged them. Um, after it was moved here, somebody sabotaged the equipment. There's uh, wires cut, there's filters removed, spray foam, put up fuel lines. Like these things, these all three machines, they're valuable machines. Um, and it's gonna take a lot of work to put them back into order. Um, I can't see that, that happening. Like there's parts missing, um, parts have to be replaced. There's a lot of labor that's got to go into fixing these things before this, these these fellows can use their their own equipment again. Hey there. 
Yep, thank you. Uh, so I can confirm that we disabled three, looks like three excavators. Yep. Um, to prevent the equipment from being used in the illegal activity of the blockade. Uh, was there an expectation there as to how they were going to be used? Uh, I don't, I'm not sure. I've, I've got the answer for you. I'm not sure what other questions you might have with, relative to that. I wasn't part of that, uh, that planning or the execution of that. So yep. I don't think I can comment any further than that. Nope, it's all good. Really appreciate that. Thank you so much. No problem, Sid. Take care, buddy. Yep, bye-bye. Hi there, it's Corporal Savinkoff here. Uh, hey there, Corporal. Uh, this is uh, Sid calling you again really quickly. Um, if you have the time for a hey, second. Sid. Absolutely. Yep. Uh, so I just wanted to confirm um, exactly what the damage was done by the RCMP. The damage, the disabling. Yeah. Yeah. So we we, we can. Yep. Right. I don't know. I don't know what we did to disable those vehicles. Sid. Okay. But okay. Yeah. Sorry. I I forgot to get that bit there uh, last time. But you did confirm that it was you guys. But um, in terms of the specific damage, you're unaware. Yeah. The specific uh, steps that we took to disable those vehicles. I don't. I don't Okay, all right, no, appreciate that. Just wanted to reconfirm. Thank you. All right, take care. Yep, bye bye. bye, -bye.